Funded by Simmons. Is this the dagger? Scrub. He can't play. Walker fires downfield. Looking for DJ Moore. Oh, oh my God. God. A diving catch from Panthers. Touchdown. Be a dog. Tybrook can take the right corner three. That's off. CJ Hunley with the pump. Oh. And he puts it in at the buzzer. Oh. It's caught by Christian Horn. Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU. What is going on, everybody? And welcome into the second Tuesday edition of the semester of Sports Wrap, sponsored by Eggers, 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 and Eggers, attorney at law. I am your host, David Katzenmeyer, and I am joined by Lucas Warren, Cody Bear, and Nick Goodman this afternoon. Guys, how are we doing today? I'm good, David. Uh, just got back from football practice. Interviewed some players. Uh, yeah, I got I got a game after this. So it's it's a busy day, but I'm here for the next hour talking some sports with you guys. So it's a, it's a good day. All right, yeah, I'm feeling good too. This is my f- debut on Sports Wrap. Woo! So clap it up for yeah, now. I'm looking go. forward to talking about some. Looking forward to talk about some Week Zero college football, some preseason NFL football. I also am going to join Lucas on the A game after this recording, so I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, you got you got to keep the board up in tight today, David. We're on a, we're on a tight schedule. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> True. No pressure. <laughs> busy, but a, but a good busy, yeah. and like we're getting into it. Football has started. Football has begun. In, in the grand scheme of things. Look, it's here. We're ready for it. We're, we're a couple days away from the college season getting started. That kind of leads us into what we're going to be talking about today. With week zero of the college football season concluded and the NFL preseason finished, we now wait in anticipation for college football to be back in full swing this weekend and the NFL in less than two weeks. Tonight's focus will be centered around the little yet still impactful week zero of the college football season. It's our NFL season or previews breakdown. And a few fun games to level out the show. So when we talk about Week Zero, we're going to talk about just our overall thoughts on the NFL preseason. And then we're going to have a little trivia if we have time at the end. We're going to take a quick break. But before we get to that, let's look at the Mountaineer Minute. And you know, Lucas, this is my first time doing the Mountaineer Minute, so I don't even know where the B-bar is. It's the white one. Right in the middle? Yeah, I made it real simple to find. All right, let's, uh, let's, give, this one a, let's give this one a go, everybody. There you go. There it is. All right. It was a Mountaineer sweepstakes this past weekend with volleyball, soccer, and field hockey all going undefeated over the weekend. The women's soccer team led off the action Thursday afternoon on the road with a 2-0 victory over UT Martin in Martin, Tennessee. Izzy Wood picked up her second goal of the season, and Stephanie Barbosa scored her third. The women's soccer team also notched a nil-nil tie against High Point on Sunday in Boone, marking it the third consecutive match in which the Mountaineers did not concede a goal and the 21st shutout of goalkeeper... 
Kerry Eagleston's career, pushing her to a tie for second place with Caroline Clark for the most in program history. The Mountaineer volleyball team had an extremely impressive start to the year as a couple of our co-workers here at the radio station, including Nick down on the end over there, was able to call the action live as... The Mount, as in the Mountaineer Classic, they picked up a three-set sweep over William and Mary and Bellarmine on Friday and another 3-0 victory over Tennessee Tech on Saturday. The tournament has marked the best start for the for the Mountaineers since 20, the 2018 campaign, where the Mountaineers posted four consecutive 3-0 sweeps from August 24th to August 31st. Rounding out the weekend, the App State field hockey team won both of their contests, one on Friday against Towson and the other against Georgetown on Sunday. The Mountaineers led for all but three minutes in the 3-1 victory over Towson and scored three goals within five minutes in the third quarter of a 4-1 victory over Georgetown. That'll do it for the Mountaineer Minute, but once again, before we take a break, there's a few storylines that have broken over the past two days that I think we should go ahead and talk about. First being, App State announced that Ryan Berger, the redshirt freshman, will be the starting quarterback for the Appalachian State Mountaineers. Lucas, I know you had mentioned you got to see him in practice today. What are our just general thoughts about this? It doesn't have to be anything too in-depth. I just kind of want to get the feel of the room here. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Uh, I think this was the guy you should start. Uh, Joey Aguilar uh, is a talented backup, but, you know, the future is in Ryan Berger's hands now. He's the guy we've kind of been grooming for this position, and now he's going to step into the starting role week one. Uh, I think we can all temper our expectations compared to Chase Bryce last year. I think the offense will be more run-centric than it was last year. I think we're going to lean on a more... Uh, conservative offensive approach but I think all in all this is good things and we're moving in the right direction yeah I like I like the decision right here Ryan Berger is the only quarterback that was with the program last year had time to learn when he redshorted around App State and then this year I'm looking forward to seeing an offense where we have a quarterback that's mobile obviously Chase Bryce was a great quarterback for us last year but we wouldn't exactly call view him as like a threat to take uh, run like 20 to 30 yards down the field ever. Um, Berger has that ability to run the football that Bryce never really did. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that pans out throughout this year. I think Berger really fits in the offense that a guy like Sean Clark wants. We're not going to see him airing the ball out like we did with Chase Bryce, but he is, as you guys have said, very mobile. And I think that helps with the run game a lot. And that's really what Sean Clark, that's his bread and butter. So I think. For Sean Clark, who's been here a couple of years and really wants to get App State on track in this very, very difficult Sun Belt now, having a guy that fits your offense for the future will be very effective. Yeah, I completely agree. I really like the idea of having more of a dual-threat quarterback and kind of going back to the Appalachian State essentials of running the rock and just kind of taking control of a game on the ground. One other storyline broke today that it's kind of been up in the air for a while. There's been moving pieces with it, but we now finally have a conclusion for, the, for now, on the Jonathan Taylor and Colts saga, as the Colts announced this afternoon, they did not find a fair value offer for Jonathan Taylor and will not trade him. It's expected to remain on the pup list, players unable to perform. What's your take on all this? And this could mean that he's out for the first four weeks of the NFL season. Yeah, uh, a couple weeks ago when it was announced that they were looking for trades with Jonathan Taylor, uh, I kind of said, I don't think he's going to get traded because I just saw how Jim Irsay was kind of handling the situation. You know, he didn't want to pay him, but then also didn't want to trade him for value that he deemed un, uh, unworthy or just not good enough for his caliber of player. Interesting situation to not want to pay a player, but then also want a lot on the trade. But I, I think this could just be a 
kind of a gross situation where neither side gets what they want. I could kind of see him not playing this season. I think it could go down that route. And I'm hoping he doesn't get traded because I have Devon A. Chain and I wouldn't want Miami getting a true number one back. Yeah, I agree with Lucas here. I think this is a really ugly situation on both sides here. It looks like it could come to a point where Jonathan Taylor is just stuck in no man's land, more or less. Um, If I'm being honest, though, I don't really understand why the Colts aren't putting more of an effort to try to just make him happy and just pay him because he is an elite running back and he's someone that would definitely help out Anthony Richardson in his development. And just because he got mad at... Uh, the owner Jim Mersey talking about how running backs, you know, were getting why they're getting paid less and all that stuff. I don't see why this isn't a situation that can't be mended, but it just it seems like the Colts and Jonathan Taylor just have zero interest in doing so. Jim Mersey and the Colts were too publicly honest, too yeah. quick in the way that when Jonathan Taylor wanted money. Jim Irsay on Twitter was very, very honest about how he doesn't deserve the money. And a lot of it is, of course, the way that running backs are in the NFL right now and the difficulties they face. But in general, you say he's not worth the money, but he is worth a first-round pick or equal compensation to it. It doesn't really fit. So it's un- it's unfortunate for Jonathan Taylor and-, and the situation because I do think Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor, like, on that offense— the Colts aren't going to be good next year, but at least that kind of thing be will put fun. butts in seats. Yeah, it'll get people to go to games. Well, I mean, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. Like, you can't expect for somebody to give up a first-round pick and then not pay Jonathan yeah. Taylor, yeah. I mean, at minimum, 10 or $12 million. Yeah. I liked what Cody said, though, there, because I think how you can, like, have those thoughts. Like, I think a lot of franchises have those thoughts in private, like with the um, Eckler situation or Josh Jacobs is a good situation, uh, good comparison, but they're not, you know, on Twitter basically trashing their player and then <laughs> yeah. the next day, like, all right, so trade offers? So, like, yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Think, yeah, yeah, so I think just... Or say maybe maybe take a step back. I mean, I think it's pretty it's pretty hectic when you have six teams reach out to you, three send you deals, and nothing gets done. Yeah. So, that I mean, that to me... It's, it's a pretty big question mark when it comes to what the heck the Colts are going to do in that scenario. We're going to take a quick break before we come back to talk about week zero of the college football season. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU, the App FM. Hi, I'm Doug Gillen, Athletic Director at Appalachia State. And you're listening to Sports Wrap 90.5 WASU-FM. Go Mountaineer. Career Development Center is here to support students as you explore career paths, identify and develop skills, and pursue experiential opportunities. With the tagline of Explore, Build, Pursue, the center provides opportunities for students to be empowered to achieve lifelong professional success. As you explore majors and careers, our coaches can help you think about how your goals, skills, interests, decision-making process, and personality type might translate into a career. 
Get started on your career and professional development journey today. Visit the Career Development Center website at careers.appstate.edu. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you're having a fantastic Tuesday, as are we here listening to Sports Wrap. We're going to get right into it with our first segment here with college football week zero. There wasn't too much that happened this week. However, two top 25 teams played in Notre Dame and USC, the one out in California. So we're going to break down kind of both those games, talk about what we liked, what we didn't like. The first one we're going to start with is number 13, Notre Dame. They picked up a very impressive win this past weekend in Dublin, Ireland, 42-3 to over Navy. The great fighting Irish debut for Sam Hartman. In the past, QB play has been a question mark for Notre Dame. So we kind of saw it with Wake Forest. Now that he's in a pro-style offense, is Sam Hartman the real deal, and is the sky the limit? Yeah, first let me just say, uh, Bobby, I believe, drafted the Notre Dame uniforms. Great pick, Bobby. I mean, they looked beautiful in Ireland. They had a little, like, patch thing going on on the shoulders. Little, little chain design. Yeah, it was looking real Irish. Just people in Ireland were probably losing their mind. And uh, it's just a great college football thing, sending Notre Dame fighting Irish to Dublin. But, yeah, as far as their play, uh, Sam Hartman's going to be a difference maker, I think, for Fighting Irish this year. I mean, that's just kind of been what's holding back a pretty good roster the past couple years is the quarterback play. Uh, they had two guys in that spot last year. Neither played very good. So I think having a guy of Hartman's caliber who, I mean, just airs that thing out. Like, he's just fearless throwing the ball. He's going to make deep throws all game. That just adds a whole other element to this offense. They're going to be more explosive. I think there are teams better than them in the country, but I think they're a dark horse playoff team with Sam Hartman there I think like you said the sky's the limit for this team I wanted to add on to what Lucas said I also agree that I feel like Sam Hartman is the real deal Um, but I want to add on to you talking about how he's fearless throwing the ball down the field Um, there's actually some stats where every for all the deep balls that he threw past 20 yards um, he completed 41 which the deep ball throws at count for air yards past 20 yards down the field. Um, He completed 41 of them, which was third in all of college football and also second in the entire Power Five last year, only behind Drake May, who got a couple more games than Sam Hartman. He was also second in passing touchdowns on deep throws with 16, which was only behind Max Duggan, who also had more games to get those passing touchdowns. So some people don't really look at Sam Hartman as someone with an elite arm, but he's proven, even at Wake Forest, that he can get the ball down the field and throw it deep into all the areas of the field. Um, but people don't talk about him as much or didn't talk about him as much because he's played at Wake Forest. Um, and he's, it feels like he's been in college football for like – he has been in college football actually for six years now that I think about it. Which <laughs> yeah, he's a grown he's man. He's like the senior citizen of this <laughs> Notre Dame team. But the last couple years, his touchdown-to-interception ratio is 77-26. to 26. And on top of that, he has 12 rushing touchdowns, albeit 11 of them in 2021. So despite a couple of physical limitations, he's already proven that he's been the real deal at Wake Forest. And he's going to be someone that's going to help this Notre Dame team. Yeah, he's absolutely the real deal. The last couple of years, he's been somewhere in the Heisman conversation at a school like Wake Forest. Uh, I think... He throws a high 3,000 yards, 30 touchdowns a season. And the big thing is he just helps open up the field for this offense. For the first time in how long Notre Dame has a quarterback that won, 
throws the ball down the field as well as he does, and that sends some of the DBs further back. So it opens up the run game even more. And he's a guy that you finally can look at these matchups and say, Notre Dame has a great roster, and their quarterback can go toe-to-toe with some of these other quarterbacks in these elite teams and makes the games where it's like, okay, Notre Dame's going to go 8-3 and three over their first 11 games, but the, those ranked teams are going to beat them. Finally, they have a quarterback that can match up with the quarterbacks of these ranked teams that they're going to play this year. Yeah, Sam Hartman in that Notre Dame victory was 19 for 23 with an 82.6% completion rate, 251 yards. He averaged 11 yards per throw, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Seeing Sam Hartman in more of a pro style rather than, you know, an RPO like was that was run at Wake Forest, just something that has a little bit more of a defined playbook, something that's going to have him under center a little bit more. I, he looked much more poised. I mean, at Wake Forest, it felt like when I think of Sam Hartman, I think of, you know, rolling out of the pocket, deep throw, you know, having to kind of work on his feet and really make make something out of nothing in a certain scenario. And just getting to watch him play in this style of offense just felt right to me. Like, yeah. watching Sam Hartman play for this Notre Dame team made me feel like this Notre Dame team could be the real deal heading into this season. And that's a pretty good transition into our next question for this topic this was a fantastic win for Notre Dame, no doubt. They blew the brakes off of a Navy team who's still trying to find themselves under a first-year head coach. My question to you is, after week zero, do you think the fight in Irish could be for real heading into the full season? I'm going to lean that they just played a bad team in Navy. Uh, you know, like you said, they have the new head coach there at Navy. This was not a very good team last year. Uh, I just really don't think it was a very talented team. And I think focusing on Hartman, uh, I think... If you look at some of the flaws that could show up this year, uh, Nick kind of touched on it, but at times he's been deemed, you know, not the not to have the best arm power or talent. I guess uh, he relies a lot on accuracy and throwing with anticipation. But when those windows get smaller, especially in a pro style offense, like at Wake Forest, he's running an RPO system where he's just scanning the field for open space and getting the ball in that space. So it's almost like reading and reacting to the defense. In this pro style offense, it's going to be a lot about hitting tight windows. So I'd just like to see how this team plays against maybe a more athletic, more well-trained defense. Are they able to cut down on those deep throws and then yeah I just think overall I think Notre Dame is going to be a ranked team I think they'll be a good team I think they'll win a lot of games but I do think there's going to be a gap between the top teams in college football and the Fighting Irish yeah I definitely feel like Navy made them look a little bit better than they actually are going to be this year Notre Dame is going to be a good team I don't necessarily believe that they're going to be a team that's going to compete for a playoff spot or compete to win a national championship which is kind of what I feel like a lot of people would expect when you say when you ask if Notre Dame is for real. Um, as Lucas touched on, uh, Navy was not a very good team last year, and on top of that, they played Notre Dame week one, so it's not like Notre Dame was in a situation where they had to rush to prepare for the triple option offense. They had the entire offseason to prepare for week one going against the triple option against a team they had frankly more talent than and even when navy was losing because of their triple option offense they only threw the ball seven times so it's really hard for teams like that to come back when they get down by a lot but just looking ahead at their schedule uh games at home against ohio state and usc we're going to talk about usc later but those are going to be really tough for them i think and then having to go to clemson i don't care who you are in college football that's going to be a brutal game um even i can see notre dame 
I think it's week three for them. It's going to be week two for almost everyone else in college football. They have to go to NC State in Carter-Fenley at noon. And it's not going to be an easy win. <laughs> that's not going to be an easy win, not only for the crowd, but it's either going to be blazing hot at noon in an early September game in Raleigh, or it's going to be like a hurricane the last time they played them. <laughs> um, so they'll be a good team. I just, I'm not sold on them being a championship contender. That's a tough schedule. <laughs> you just laid out, yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I want to be somewhere in the middle. I think they definitely looked better. But if I had to lean one way, I would probably agree. Kind of like Nick said, you give a team like Notre Dame the entire offseason to look at a triple option team, and this kind of thing is going to happen. And then, again, like Sam Hartman is a guy that I really feel can go toe-to-toe with some of these great quarterbacks in the country. But you do look at teams like – I mean, they have three games a season against teams that are currently ranked in the top ten. That is a gauntlet of a schedule. So – I, the other games I think are, are big time wins, but I don't think them. I don't. See, I didn't see anything that would say they're going to get over the hump to be a playoff team this year. Yeah, I will say though, with Sam Hartman on this team now, now that you have a quarterback that can push the ball downfield, it does raise your ceiling as a team. Where I think they probably lose maybe two out of those three games against top ten opponents, but I do think they are capable of beating any of those teams on their best days now with Hartman. Yeah, and I mean considering to the lows that. Notre Dame fell to last year when you kind of think about the Marshall game and say, yeah, Marshall. and you know how they were really excited heading into the season to play Ohio State you're under a new you're under a new um, head coach and that game doesn't go how you want but you showed signs of promise and then the season just kind of unraveled from there so personally I'm pretty high on this Notre Dame team I really liked what I saw I mean I think that Regardless of opponent, this team jailed really well under Sam Hartman. And I think it should also go without saying, um, Aldrich Estime, their running back, looked fantastic. And again, it's against a defensive line that, you know, is not as, as talented, but some of the moves he was making in open field have me worried for USC and Ohio State. So this is a team in my mind where I think they're going to give some really good teams a run for their money. I think if Notre Dame ends up on a three or four losses this year, and, I mean, if they end up with three losses and it's only to top ten teams, I mean, that's a good season for Notre Dame, especially considering where you're trying to build up from with a second-year head coach. So, for me, I'm high on this team. I'm excited to watch their journey, and I've always loved watching Sam Hartman. I mean, from Charlotte, he's an hour away up at Wake Forest. I was able to go to a couple games to see him play, and just a guy who... You know, I've enjoyed watching throughout college football. I'd like to see him have some success with Navy um, or with uh, Notre Dame. I'm very glad he's gone from Wake Forest. No, oh, yeah, no shade to Wake Forest, <laughs> but I don't like when they're good at football. There's too many Carolina teams that are supposed to be known for football. I don't need Wake Forest. You're just scared that UNC is going to get beat year in and year out. I don't. I'm not a UNC football fan. I'm. I like NC State football more than I, UNC. I really? State. My brother I, I was. Could, I can add to that too. Like. I grew up watching NC State a lot, too. Okay. Wake Forest was always kind of that annoying team where every time they went up to Winston-Salem, yeah. it was like, why does NC State keep losing to it's Wake like Forest y'all are every single school. year? Yeah. Like, I think two years ago, too, um, back when Devin Leary was healthy the whole year, he threw 35 touchdowns. They got past Clemson, finally. They got over the Clemson hump. Lost and then Wake Forest, Forest yeah. turns around and just basically one-ups them 
to get to the ACC championship game. So I understand from that perspective where you're coming from, Lucas. Yeah, no. And I do want to explain myself because I, you were surprised I said I'm an NC State football fan because I'm a UNC basketball fan. I have reasoning. My brother was a coach for NC State football for multiple years, so I have some close ties. I also think I got it from the fact that any chance Jeff got to bandwagon UNC, he would. Oh, yeah. So oh, this was a very pro-UNC show last year. It was. With Jeff on the helm. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Devin so. Leary got some shade last year. Well, I've heard and, from, and I think most of it was from Riley, not even yeah, Jeff. I that's was fair. Say yeah. that too. I even heard it. I wasn't even on the show again. This is my debut. I remember even just talking in class. I think it was after the Texas Tech game and he was just dumping on Leary and I was just like, well... Some of it, too, is I don't know what other receivers outside of Thayer Thomas are <laughs> any good on this roster. Like, no, no, it's any. Leary. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, fun little side conversation yeah. here. Uh, we, it'll be interesting to see what Devin Leary does with Kentucky and see if Riley decides to go out of his way to shame him once again. Man, that's so unfair. He's going to be playing like <laughs> such good SEC defenses, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. he's going to get Riley's going to be picking it apart. <laughs> he is. So there was one other good game throughout this week zero and that was that we got to see what everybody believes to be the front runner for the Heisman contender again this year with Caleb Williams number six USC got to play San Jose State you know it was a win in the end but some mixed results along the way Lucas talk me through here what was one positive takeaway from this USC game it's the offense. I mean, that offense is legit. I mean, you know, Caleb Williams is one of the most talented, probably the most talented quarterback in the nation. Uh, he's slated to be number one pick next year in the NFL draft. Uh, I think he's the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman again. So trying to do that twice. And yeah, I mean, they're going to score a lot of points this year. I don't think that's a secret. Uh, but we'll talk about it next. But the flaw of last year, I don't think has been fixed that well. And I think it's going to hurt them more this year. Yeah, I just want to single out one player on that USC offense that I thought played amazing in his first ever college football game, and that's Zachariah Branch. Uh, The former five-star recruit, he was a top receiver in his class, but again, true freshman, and his first college game only on nine touches. He had 232 all-purpose yards. And he did it in a ton wow. of different ways. He had 58 yards receiving, including a 25-yard touchdown reception. He had a 96-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. That was impressive. Yeah, and I'll, I'll get to that later. He also had 66 punt return yards. And then on top of that, he had a 12-yard run. So basically the only thing he didn't do on offense was throw the football. Yeah. Uh, he had, did, had everything else covered. He was the first USC player to score a receiving and a kickoff return touchdown in the same game since Adore. Jackson did it back in 2016 and as David alluded to um, especially on like that kickoff return or when he got a reception in space he showed off some elite speed elite quickness elite vision and incredible change of direction abilities and he showed everyone why he was such a highly touted recruit Um, this USC team did lose Jordan Addison last year he's now going to be a Minnesota Viking Um, they need a playmaker to step up and it looks like Branch could be that guy for the Trojans this year an easy one's obviously the fact that you have Caleb Williams on your team um, and he's as advertised he had four touchdowns to the air and he made things look really really pretty I also really like their rushing game I think that was the biggest positive going into it that they had they spread out the rushing game a lot and they showed at least three backs that could really get some nice averages on each rush. So I think that's huge. Like these guys said, their offense is going to be the, the shining moment of this team. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, Kayla Williams, while the offense got out to a slower start to begin things. For their standards. For their standards, yeah. I mean, they still put up 56 points at the end of the day. I mean, Caleb Williams, he was 18 for 25. He completed nine of his final 10 attempts, 278 yards, those four touchdowns that Cody had mentioned. I think the offense is in good hands. But, Lucas, you kind of alluded to it here. The next question is, what's one negative takeaway from this game or one place of improvement for USC? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be the defense. And, I mean... How great are our takes? I just said the positive is the offense, negative is defense. But, (laughs) I mean, that's just the scenario with this team. This is a defense built on transfer portal additions, and it's been that way for two seasons now. And I do – the transfer portal is a good – like system, or it's just a good avenue for coaches to have to replenish talent. But when you're just restocking players with other transfer portal players, I don't expect there to be much improvement with that. Like I think it's just going to be a lot of the same coming in. Like you're bringing in guys that you know weren't getting playing time where they were playing, or in some cases, obviously at a lower level, playing very good, so they're going to move up a level. But in all those cases, you're expecting not just a star player right off the bat. You're expecting some development. So this defense still has to develop, but it's just the ways that they struggle. Like, you know, they're not a good rush defense, and I don't think they will be a good rush defense. And, you know, a team like San, Jose, San Jose State, if you're struggling to stop their run, I'm just going to be very nervous when they play a team like Utah this year. And then I just think the Pac 12 has a lot of tough teams this year, and they're going to be challenged. And I think that defense could cause them to slip up a few times. Yeah, I agree with Lucas here. Um, Lincoln Riley's coach teams, even before the transfer portal, have often had very shaky defenses, even back when he was coaching at Oklahoma. And the way they played against the Spartans is concerning. It's, concerning. it's a little... It's uh, we, we mentioned earlier that um, they struggled... They're going to probably struggle against the run. They gave up 7.3 yards per carry on the ground against San Jose State and 198 rushing yards. On top of their quarterback, Siobhan Cordado, for uh, the Spartans, he th- also threw three touchdowns on top of that. Um, and they had a, a couple of questionable play calls on certain down and distances. Um, they like sent a blitz on like third and 22 against a mobile quarterback, and you know, he scrambled around for a first down. At the end of the half, right before halftime, they let... Uh, in a basically a must pass situation for the Spartans, they just let a receiver go wide open down the right sideline for a touchdown, which made the game a seven point game going into halftime. Um, they have a new defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, and he's going to have to figure figure out how to get USC to have a good defense in order to maximize their potential this year. Yeah, if you paid attention to the game, the Trojan defense is going to be a lot like it was last year, just putrid. Giving up 28 points against San Jose State is good enough to win, but will their defense be able to contain offenses like Notre Dame we talked about earlier, Utah, Washington, Oregon? There's a lot of really, really good quarterbacks leading some of those teams this year. So I'm not sure if Caleb Williams in this offense will be able to keep USC's head above water to not only get into the playoffs, but really like I don't. I can't see them winning the Pac-12 against teams like Washington and Oregon if their defense is going to be as terrible as it has been. And I think the big thing is like they're going to win games. That offense is just so good. Like we saw, they scored 56 points, and David opened with. It's not the performance we're used to seeing from them. So it's like they're going to score some points. But like we saw in that Pac-12 championship last year, when Caleb Williams and offense isn't rolling like they're used to, can they rely on that defense when they need to? And they. 
answer was they couldn't last year. I mean, it was a joke how bad the tackling was in the Pac-12 championship last year. And I think it's going to be very similar where if there's an off game from Caleb Williams and this offense and they turn to the defense and ask them to get some stops, I just don't think they're going to be able to do it. Yeah, I think y'all kind of hit everything on the head that we need to talk about when it comes to this USC defense. It's it's going to be just one to monitor. I mean, maybe there's going to be a little bit of improvement. I mean, you've got a couple transfers that have come in. I have three guys I'd like to highlight from this defense from last night because, you know, they're going to get dragged on really all over the college football world right now because of what we saw in, in week zero and what USC is supposed to be. But uh, freshman quarterback Dermani Jackson, he made his first collegiate start. He was the number 14 overall player in the 2020 recruiting cycle. Um, he had himself a good game. He recorded four tackles. Former Georgia defensive lineman Bear Alexander assisted on a key sack. Um, Solomon Bird also had some extra or some activity along with Bear Alexander and Texas A&M transfer Anthony Lucas had a pair of tackles as well. So you hear those big schools, you see what the talent process could be. But the question is, can USC put it together? Let, we're going to go ahead. Let me just yeah. right before I go to break. I kind of like what I was saying with the transfer portal thing. I'm not doubting the talent this defense has. Like you just listed it off, it's going to be five stars and highly rated recruit like transfer recruits. But you know, in college football and just in football in general, consistency is a very important part of a unit. Like it's an 11 man group. It's nice to be able to play multiple years with the same guys, so you know what you're getting from those positions. And even though it's talented, when you're replenishing the entire defense every year with five star newcomers and then transfer portal players, you're just starting from. Ground zero every single week. Like when you start the season, you're just starting over again. And maybe by week seven, it's a different story, and this defense looks a lot better. But yeah, as of right now, it looked pretty rough. Yeah, I mean, different sport, but look at the San Diego Padres. You go out and sign a bunch of guys, and you're sitting five games under 500. Look at your New York Mets, Lucas. You go oh, yeah. out and you spend some of the most record amount, of money, a record yeah. amount of money, and now you're sitting, you're you're about to rebuild after spending the most money anybody's ever spent in off season. So yeah. sometimes all those new faces. You know, it may not make that big of an impact if you can't gel and you can't connect. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to touch on the NFL preseason. And then to close out the show, I've got some opening week trivia questions for you guys. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back in a minute or two right here on 90.5 WASU with Sports Wrap. Anna Bananas is a longtime supporter of WASU-FM, App State's college radio station. Anna Bananas Fine Consignment Store buys, sells, trades, and serves Boone from 641 West King Street. You can follow Anna Bananas on Instagram and Facebook. This program is sponsored by Eggers Law Firm, located on West King Street in downtown Boone. From business to traffic matters, the Eggers Law Firm has provided legal service to the high country since 1950. As fourth-generation Appalachian alumni, the Eggers Law Firm is here to assist you with legal help when you need it. The Eggers Law Firm, 737 West King Street. Gregsweather.com is based in Boone and forecasts the weather in the high country and from the North Carolina-Virginia state line to Waynesville, North Carolina. The mountains, the foothills, and the microclimates in between with specific websites for each area, including booneweather.com with radar and webcams of the area. Winter, spring, summer, fall, raiseweather.com.
ladies and gentlemen. We are ready to start talking. NFL preseason. Love the uh, the ad libs and the sound effects over here, Lucas. Uh, I'm blanking on the name, but it's uh, the whoop. You know, you know the guy I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, the yeah the the whoop guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You guys Explain know what I'm talking well. about, right? Yeah, I know what you're talking okay. about. You I'm just kind of ro- I'm rolling along with it right yeah, now. Yeah. Morning, yeah, without knowing. You're only cool if you know what I'm talking about. So, well, no one's let me on the morning. Greatest. So, anyways, we're going to talk about the NFL preseason. We're going to give a quick recap here, and very basic questions for y'all. So, just kind of talk about some of your findings, some of your thoughts. First one we're going to have is what's one team that you feel more confident about coming out of the preseason and into the regular season? than you did before the preseason? I'd say the Cleveland Browns. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of questions about Deshaun Watson. I still think those questions are there, but uh, that roster is just loaded, I feel like. I mean, they just have so much talent all over the place, and it's really that defense. Like, I think Miles Garrett might show he's the best defensive player in the league this year, uh, but great secondary. I like uh, Kevin Stefanski as a coach. I, I said that wrong. Stefanski, that's how you say it. Uh, but, you know, I think they'll lean on the rushing attack. I think Nick Chubb has a good chance of leading the NFL in rushing yards. Uh, I think they're, they have such a good roster. The way we talk about the Jets, where we're like, Aaron Rodgers can be a BB plus this year and they're still going to be a good team. I think the Browns could do that this year if Deshaun Watson isn't 100% the guy we saw three years ago. I think this roster is so talented around him. Um, for teams that for a team that I liked after this preseason, I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's of course, pick. sometimes preseason stats can be misleading, but Kenny Pickett had an unbelievable stat line in the preseason. He had five drives. The Steelers scored five touchdowns on those drives. And in those drives, Pickett went 13 for 15 for 199 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers, and a perfect passer rating on top of all that. The Steelers always have a great defense every single year. If they can figure out their offense and have a great offense, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with this coming year. Mine, unfortunately, was also the Steelers. Uh, And pretty much for the exact same reason, we knew that their defense... Is, is going to be good, but seeing some of the real pieces that they have on offense shine, plus Kenny Pickett was fantastic. Uh, yeah, the Steelers are mine as well. I'll, uh, I had the Steelers listed down here. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'd say that this is one team I feel better about, but it's one team that I think you know, is going gonna, is gonna to take away some positives from the preseason, and that's the Raiders. You, know, you bring back Josh Jacobs. You get him on the, I think it was a one-year, $11.8 million deal. Aiden O'Connell was the best quarterback by uh, he, far in the entire preseason. And, I mean, he's he's pushing himself for maybe a bid at a start at some point I think point he's going to start this year. I'm not, or not like start week one, but I think there's going to be a point yeah, in the I, year where he's playing. I agree. I mean, if he can throw it like he did, and it's like just because it's the preseason, that doesn't mean it's not professional football players. And Jimmy's in front of him. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, Garoppolo starting. I mean, you've got Jimmy mid-Garoppolo right there. Yeah. So. It'll be it'll be interesting to see, but I think apart from the Steelers, it's it's another interesting thing to say that we had two AFC North teams here. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be an extremely loaded division with the Browns, Bengals, Ravens, and Steelers. And if two of those teams are ones that we're talking about that we think are better, it could be one of the most, if not the most, loaded division in all of football. I think. Sorry, I think the Seahawks too. I just to mention because we've had two, like three, technically say Steelers. That the Seahawks, I think, look really great. Uh, before the JSN injury, mm-hmm. uh, just seeing how he operated in that offense with DK and Lockett, like getting some attention, and then he can just operate over that middle. 
just when those three guys are healthy with Geno Smith at least playing competent, I think he'll be good this year. But well, and, uh, and they even had a um, rookie wide receiver. I can't think of his name. But it's Bo- Bola, Boba, something like that. I think I know who you're talking um, about. Who kind of balled out in JSN's yeah. absence. So, I mean, I think the Seahawks. And then, yeah, I think they're in good hands. And then, like the. It's just the plentiful talent they have. Like Kenneth Walker was the best rookie running back last year, and now they have a guy who I think might be better. Like Zach Charbonnet is really good. He looked really good in preseason action. Like he's going to be a guy. Like when I saw him, I'm like, why they dropped another running back in the second round is really good. Like it's just they have so much talent on their roster, and it's so young. It's just they're loaded, and I'm really I'm glad you brought the Seahawks up because that's I had them in our NFL preseason. I've got them going all the way to the NFC Championship. I just think that. It's a really promising team, and it's yeah. going to be a fun one to put on your radar when you don't have much going on on Sundays. So we're going to flip the script here. What's one team that you feel less confident in, or what's the who's the biggest loser of the preseason? Less confident in, it is the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I know that sounds crazy, but... You know, if you look at some of the Brady years, like 2006, I think, is a good year to look at He when he didn't have a lot of receiving talent. Like, Brady was still having great years, but it just was a struggle. And only, a great quarterback can only take you so far. Like, they're going to be good. They're probably going to threaten to win the Super Bowl. But it's going to be really hard with your best wide receiver being Sky Moore, Malka, or Valdez-Scantling. But they really have, outside of Kelsey, no talent and Kelsey is getting up there. Like, there's going to be the year that Kelsey production finally drops off. I still think this team is going to be good, but less confident. And I definitely feel that way watching them in the preseason. Like, I think it was against the Texans. Like They tried to score in their first two drives and couldn't in one of those preseason games I was watching. So it's just, you know, I, I think they'll figure it out, but they need to find a at least semi-wide receiver one in that room. It's interesting that you bring you brought up the wide receivers in Kansas City because that same position group in Denver is why I feel like I'm a lot less confident about them going into this year. Uh, Their room is already in a lot of trouble preseason just due to injuries. Tim Patrick was supposed to play. He tore his Achilles. He'll miss the whole year. Jerry Judy has a hamstring injury that could easily be a nagging issue throughout the entire year for them. KJ Hamler had to step away from the team due to a heart uh, heart issue, and on top of that, App State alum Jalen Virgil, who had a chance to be able to play with all these injuries, he ended up having a meniscus injury and is now on injured reserve. So, looking at their was- their roster of receivers outside of Cortland Sutton, who has his own injury history that is concerning on its own. Their receiving core includes second-round rookie Marvin Mims, Marquez Callaway, and little Jordan Humphrey. So, yeah, their receiving depth is very concerning already, which is why I feel like I'm less confident about them after this preseason. I became less confident in the Carolina Panthers after the preseason because they're Offensive line looked even worse than expected. There were Ooh. there were some reps where it was first team reps against Jets, second team reps, and we in that first preseason game we couldn't even see anything from Bryce Young because the offensive line wasn't giving him a chance. The big storyline for Bryce Young after the first two weeks of preseason was the first one, hey, he got hit a whole bunch of times and he got up. And the second one was, whoa, look at the super awesome scramble because he's getting rushed by defensive players and made a great incomplete pass. The offensive line looks really, really bad. I'm not, I'm not incredibly confident. Okay, They'll will, still be better than the Buccaneers. I'll also will say one thing, though. Um, obviously, Icky struggling. Icky in the Giants game when he let 
I believe it was Kayvon Thibodeau just run free to the quarterback when it Who was his assignment. That's that's concerning. They will get help from Austin Colbert at right guard later in the year. So that will at least help the offensive line out a little bit. But I just I felt like I wanted to bring that up just to say that they're going to get some help later. They yeah. will, but like that's, you know, we're we're in a in a position in my opinion where it's like I just I don't know. I don't know if we can afford later. Well, it's also offensive lines one of those units where it is a lot about, you know, building that chemistry as a unit. Like you want those five guys starting together as many games as possible. So when a guy comes in late, like we saw it a bit last year with Tampa Bay, where like Ryan Jensen came in late uh, for the um, for the Buccaneers and still didn't really help that offense line too much. Like Brady was still under pressure a lot of time. I think it'll get better, but um, that's Riley. If you're listening, I tried. We had a little argument in class, so Riley was. Didn't like he just thought my takes were blasphemous about the Panthers. And well, they, okay, you might still feel that way. Yeah, sure. Uh, but you just had them as a team real negative about. Yeah, so but you're I mean, a real confident I guy. Better over there. than the Buccaneers. Yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah, you have confidence in Baker Mayfield. Is that what you're talking? About? More than a rookie quarterback with no receiving help and a bad offensive line. But Riley <laughs> liked to bring up that the Panthers were the eighth best rushing team last year. Doesn't mean you have a good offensive line. A lot of those rushing stats came at the end of the year last year when things didn't really matter and. Just because you're good rushing the ball doesn't mean you're a good pass protection team. When and, things didn't really matter, they were like different. a game away from winning the division. Yeah, uh, but in a division with it, three teams that were uh, under 500, and and it was like it was like <laughs> not good teams. It was like Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman were like yeah. the two. Like this, like when CMC left, like the run game all of a sudden got better. So yeah, Chuba Hubbard. Yeah, I mean they were more consistent with it when CMC left, and I get what you're saying, Nick. Like they were playing meaningful football. But it was also not against the best talent. So, yeah. <laughs> so Panthers, you know, every time the Panthers get brought up, it is always a subcategory of conversation because oh, yeah, we've we've got we've got guys like you, Lucas, who are like really, you know, I don't like the Panthers. You're on the back end of the optimistic spectrum, whereas Riley is like through the roof. I don't even know if he's in the atmosphere anymore. It's so, funny because Riley like admits like he's like I was like it's funny because the last two years you've said this is the Panthers year, and he's like I know. But this is the one, and it's like I don't know. Just do you not <laughs> learn? Yeah. I'm gonna give it at least a year of winning football before I I, yeah. I, I say the Panthers are back. If give me three can... years, and we will be in the Super Bowl. Okay, you Bryce Young, Super Bowl and bed and out back dinner on that. Yeah, well, <laughs> in three, give me 2020. 2026 Super Bowl. Okay. Well, actually, I'm you're not. And this is a funny stat. This isn't actually something I was thinking about bringing up, but it's just something I saw after Bryce Young got his first touchdown pass to Adam Thielen. That's beautiful, also, by the way. He Great also pass. It just so happened to be on the exact same day in August and the same yardage that Cam Newton got his first touchdown in the preseason. So due to that, 2027, it's going to be the Panthers' year. Let's go! Hey, I think, let me get it out there. I think Bryce is going to be a good quarterback. Bryce Young is good. I'm not saying he's bad. I think everything around him is bad. Best that's, class. that's fair enough. You know? I mean, you can take a look at kind of how the Bengals started with Joe Burrow. Wasn't so pretty year one. Wasn't pretty year one, and you know Joe went down halfway through the year, had to get his knee pretty much replaced, and and Joe's above six feet tall. So. <laughs> <laughs> Another subtle yeah. nod there. Joe Burrow's got to throw a jab in there. Um, for me personally, I'm going to take this more on kind of just the biggest loser of the preseason, and it's the Indianapolis Colts. You know, Anthony Richardson. 
he looked about where I think people expected him to look. Yeah, it's just he makes one really good throw. He makes one really athletic play, and then he throws it to open field with nobody within 10 yards. It's what you're going to expect from him. He's a raw talent that still has to be honed in. But for me, if I'm the Colts and I'm looking at the running back market, right, Let's look. Saquon Barkley re-signs one year, $10 million. Josh Jacobs re-signs one year, $12 million. You have all the cap space in the world. Why not just give $12 million to Jonathan Taylor? It doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. You know, the whole process about this, we talked about it at the top of the show, so I'm not going to hammer the point more than I need to, but it's just it's a sticky situation that can easily be resolved. And if now you're at the point where – you know, relationship ties are broken where Taylor doesn't even want to be with the team anymore and he's not going to accept a deal like that and he sits out all year, then at this point, I mean, the Colts have put themselves in that scenario, but that's the one guy you really want around for Anthony Richardson's development and he's not going to be there for at least the first four weeks. So that's my biggest loser of the NFL preseason. I'm going to skip our last question here because we've got about eight minutes left. We've got some week one trivia for you guys. So... This is going to be ranging from App State to the NFL to college football. So there's one question in here that, you know, it ties into last season, but it's not a week one question per se. But I think you guys will enjoy it. It's a nice mixed bag of questions. So how we're going to do it is I'm going to answer. You guys are going to have, I don't know, 20 or 30 seconds to type some up or get something in your head on our system here. Everyone's got laptops, so, you know, hope you're not cheating, but... We're going to go on our system watching. here. Yeah. I'll also be watching. So we uh, we got a couple eyes around Nobody the room. Knows I'm a... <laughs> yeah, he's a stickler for yeah. I was going to go pen and paper, but I didn't come prepared to the show today for that. So yeah, you're... we're going to we're gonna run it like this. We're so wing it. We have... I wouldn't type your answer there, Nick. I'm going to oh, see okay. that. <laughs> so I'll just I've got the make answer. a copy. I've got the All answers right. on my laptop. So I'm nobody, uh, no, no peeksies over here. Right. So our first question. Or I can shut it, Nick. Yeah, let me, yeah, let me shut it, too. Just okay. to make sure it's obvious. Okay, I like that. If you can get your answer in your head. There is there is one later down the road that you might want to type it out for because it's a bit longer. But we'll get there. Yeah, when we get there, planning on cheating, but we, we'll, go by we'll get there. Yeah. Cody, you know, Cody you know what, Cody? It was the plan, but I'm glad, my I'm glad you're honest. Yeah. Glad you're honest with yeah. us. Yeah, he cheated during the draft. Now he's cheating during the trivia. <laughs> he's on a streak. Uh, so, question one. While we start this year at home against Gardner-Webb, last season, App State opened the year against UNC in one of the craziest games that we have ever seen at the Rock. My question to you is, what was the total attendance of that game? Closest number gets the point, and then there's a bonus question following this. Hmm, that's a good question. I was talking to, talking with Joey about this because, you know, they put in the... the, the yeah, we'll, we'll bleachers under the north end zone. We'll have those extra seating for the first two home games. Yeah, and we, we, I was like, "What's the capacity with those?" So I think I have a number in mind. All right, I'm does, ready to go now. Does everybody everybody have their answers? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. Lucas, we'll start with you. I say forty one thousand three hundred and forty. I'm going to just go forty thousand one hundred. I'm going to go thirty eight thousand on on the dot. Nick, you are the closest, as the total attendance was 40,168 people at the UNC game. For a bonus point, if any of you can name it within a 1,000, and you have to guess the opponent, what was the record before, and who did they play? Oh, it was Miami, wasn't it? Eh. No? Okay. Wake Forest? It was Wake Forest. Oh. I'm just going to throw out 30,000. It's like 30. It, I think we could fit 35. Before. It is not 
30,000 is not within the 1,000 attendance range. Nick? Um, I, obviously, I know it's Wake Forest, yep. and I believe it was, I'll guess, about I'll guess 38,000. The official attendance was 35,126. Oh, right so App State just casually brought another 5,000 fans up to the Rock. You know, the extra yeah. seating help. But yeah. So, Nick, first point goes to you on the board. Now, the next one, I hope you all get this because this is more recent of a news that was released. But the Rock had the highest attendance percentage in all of college football last year, beating out Oklahoma, Michigan, and Ohio State. What percentage did App State have in attendance last year? They, it's, and the hint is it's over 100%. Yeah, I, I remember seeing I this graphic. I, I think it's 112%. My guess was 111. I was going to guess 112, too. I was going 111. So it was 112. Yeah, so I, I kind of. I kind of. So we'll, 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 give, uh, we'll throw everybody out there because technically it was 111.8 or something like that. Oh, I said 111.7. So, you know. Rounds up. We're going to. I should get the point. I think, I think well, every. I said, you know what? I'm going to give everyone a point. point. We everybody can all get gets a point. the point there, yeah. So, all right, Cody. There's, I, get, I say 111. 11.7 and it's 111.8 and I'm not getting the point for that. You guys, oh, can, you you guys can fight I thought you that. just said 111. I thought you said 111. Oh, okay, okay. Go back. Play the tapes. Go back and play the tape. You know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll edit it in post when you guys watch this on the Sports Wrap Instagram, wasu.sports. Yes. So... What do we what do we want to do there? What are what's what's the gentleman's agreement here? Um, I mean, I thought we were all getting points. But I, wait, I'm, so what? The exact number was a. Uh, I think it's one hundred and eleven point eight, but they rounded up okay, to one twelve for the Cody. graphic. That's fine. So okay, if if you're good with I that, I thought the so graphics are one twelve, but it, it did say one twelve, but there is something in the bottom corner showing a specific mm. percentage. They I did round up and get all it right. off by yeah, one point one. So so okay, so Cody and Nick. I'm not sure I understand. Thanks, Siri. I really appreciate. <laughs> she doesn't the, uh, the agree. Grammy. She didn't agree. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't. I don't think she Siri gets, had to chirp in there. And like, <laughs> I don't Cody's think, trying to. She doesn't <laughs> get why Lucas isn't getting a point here. Yeah. So Nick and Cody both have Sorry. one point. Heading into our third Thank question. You, Siri. This is another UNC App State question here. So last year when we opened, it was one of the highest scoring games of the year in all of college football. How many combined points were there in that game? Oh, Are you making 124. Math? Okay, was it that? That was it. We were doing yeah. speed. I, okay, I guess you know. Yeah. Pretty, look, you got to explain the rules, Davis. Hey, 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 Crap, hey, I, I said we were going to go around. I the knew room. it was sixty-three, sixty-one. Yeah, I, I was saying here. I was just doing mental. I'm just the math. Like, okay. math. Okay. That's right. the math. Yeah, okay. all right. What's all right. sixty-three plus sixty-one? <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, four. Six plus six is yeah. I was doing all that, and then you blurted it out. <laughs> That's yeah. It's a catastrophe. For I can tell you the total in the fourth quarter. Sixty-two. Unfortunately, that was not part of the question. So I think know, that's more impressive. I yeah, I agree. Yeah. I I think it is, but that wasn't a question. So I, I you know, given the circumstance going forward, I will say if we're going to go around the room or if it is first come first serve, Cody, I'll give that to you. So let's start math. a buzz system. I agree. I agree. Let's. So start, if let's the question is system. like that, just say beforehand you got to buzz in. Just uh, just give a little, give a little tap or give a little. Bzz, bzz, something, yeah, no, something. we do that. We know how to buzz. Yeah. So we'll buzz. this is this is one of the uh, longer question answers here. I'm going to give everybody a chance to go around the room to answer this one, and I'm not going to say if you're right or wrong until we get through. So, for question number four, as we all know, typically college football is reserved for Saturdays. However. With week one being the only week that there is occasionally action on Sunday and Monday because there is no NFL play, last season we got one game on a Sunday and one game on a Monday. Can you name the four teams that played across those days? Okay, I think I'm, I think I'm thinking of two years ago. If you would, if you want a hint, I can give you conferences for who played. Oh wait, okay, I do know. 
it's I know the Monday game, I think it was Clemson and uh, who were they playing? It was, was it Louisville? No. Mm, I can't remember. I think I'll go Louisville, but I don't think it was Louisville. And then for the Sunday game, I think it was like I think I'm thinking of two years ago, but I think it's like Ole Miss FSU. No, I'm off there. I think I'm. I, I think Clemson's the only one I can come up with. So I'll take All right, the one. You're point. Lo- locking locking those in. Okay. All right. So this is last year, right? Uh, how many years? Ago? Yes, this was last, last year. This okay. was last year. All right. I'm gonna guess Florida State, LSU. And then Clemson and Georgia Tech. I'm going to go with that. Crap, this guy's oh, good. That was that. This guy's good. Yeah, I knew the Florida State LSU one. Well, I said that's it. He didn't say that's it. So oh, you said I'm, I'm not, oh, I'm we not don't disclosing anything. I think he's I need, right. Yeah. Okay. I need, uh, well, I need Cody's guess here. I'm go- I, know, I know the Florida State LSU one, and I'm just going to go with the points here, the point possibility. I'm going to go Clemson, Louisville. So, because if I say Georgia Tech, yeah. So my points, my only chance to win is if it is Louisville. So I'm just going to go I think for it. It is Georgia Tech. So the Sunday game was LSU Florida State. Yeah. And the Monday. Was... The Monday game was Clemson and Georgia Tech. Yeah, it's a clean it. sweep for Nick. So Lucas, you got two points there. Nick, you got all four. Cody, you got three. So where does that uh, where does that leave us? Nick gets guys... one point. Okay, you want to do it Nick that way? Nick gets the point, yeah. Okay, yeah. so Nick gets the point here. So is it 2-2? Two, two, I got none. Zero. Yeah. Okay. So Goose big. egg. So we got a, we got two questions left. We're starting to – we're running out of time, so we're going we're gonna to speed around this one. Um, just go around the room. This – we'll see. So during the 2022 NFL season, there were two games that ended in a tie, one of which was a Week 13 matchup where the Giants and the Commanders tied 20-20. to 20. The other took place during Week 1. Can you name the teams – and what the score was. We're just gonna just go. Oh, um, it's gonna be Colts and Texans, and it was twenty to twenty. Well, that was easy. Oh Goodness gracious! I remember that uh, hot uh, Regal blanket chip got cut because of that. Yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> He's a big Legos guy. He builds a lot of Lego. Yeah, I don't know he, if you've seen his Instagram page. Yeah. He does. It's it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Yeah. I miss Rodrigo. I like nerds in the NFL. You build Legos, Lucas? Oh, I love Legos. I mean, to be honest, Legos. I haven't done it in a while, but I used to be I, mean I, Lego I built builder. a Lego set last week. Say, see, so. Who hasn't at least grown up, like, built Oh, no, yeah. No, nah, see, like, yeah. my friend Jackson was one of those guys, like, he just would collect all the Legos from all the sets, and he made, like, his own giant maps and stuff, like, was That's what fully I into it. Yeah. The Legos are so expensive now. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah they are. They're getting up there in Inflation, price. But man. Last question here, and this is one I want you to ponder on. We're going around the room. Same thing with the uh, with the Saturday or with the Sunday Monday style. I want you to think about it, and then we're going to go around. We'll start with we're going to start with uh, with Cody this time. Then we're going to go Lucas, and then we're going to go Nick. So during the 2022 NFL offseason, four quarterbacks switched cities and called new teams home. Can you name all four? You must get the name and where they came from. So basically. Name of the quarterback, where they were, and where they were, where so they are. Are now. these all starting last season? So this was this was so there were four quarterbacks that had a new home to start last season. Okay, yeah, I know. Okay, yeah, I got the question. Yeah, I got you. I think I got. So I got, Cody, if you need more time, I can give it to Lucas first. Are they starting? They were starting week one. All these quarterbacks. Yeah, um, all but one. Oh, that's hard. One um, did not start because of a circumstance. I have the two obvious ones. I have three. Uh, do you want me to s- or yeah, you can if you want it. to go, go for it. All right. Well, I know Matt Ryan. I know mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield, and I know uh, Marcus Mariota. 
Um, I can't think of the last one. If he wasn't playing, I don't know, like, uh, Stidham, Jared Stidham. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so I, I also know Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield, and uh, I, I honestly forgot one of the ones that I know Lucas got right. Um, so I will, I will say this. Oh, I will say this. I did not have Marcus Mariota on the list, but I will count it. Okay. So there's technically five. Okay, and then um, I, I don't know why I want to say this, but I'll just go Jacoby Brissett. Are we? Is this like in free? Did I'm sorry, I may not have listened very well. Is this like any any like free agency trade? They're just f- playing for another. This team? is yeah, another team free agency trade. However, they got there. I'm trying to get my ears right before I really just a, oh 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 saying Russell Wilson, Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold. Sammy D. I mean, Sammy D also, yes. Oh, so that was two because it was Baker and Sammy D. So on I, I kind of I kind of went for there. There were four big names that I went for here. So oh, I out here, I out here Russ. Kobe. Yeah, I know. What am I? I said Jacoby Brissett before I said Russ. Wow, I said Jared yeah. Stidham. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I think I think. Y'all two had the most, or Luca? What is? Uh, I had three. I, I just said Russell Wilson. I mean, okay. I, I gave up my chance to get the most. Okay, there is one more and that we haven't named. There's one more that you haven't named, and it's because it's an interesting circumstance because he did Carson Wentz, not Carson Wentz. He didn't start last season, but he came in about. No, halfway two thirds through the season. Deshaun Watson. Oh. Yes. That was the other one. The the guys I had on my list were Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, and Deshaun Watson. However, there were a little bit, there were a few more quarterbacks yeah. than <laughs> I kind of accounted for here. So yeah, I said the wrong Browns quarterback the first time. So I try not. I think Jacoby was on a different team though. Was he before? I think he was on a different team before. I think he was on the Dolphins before, and then yeah. he went to the Browns. When, Free Jacoby. A guy should know. be starting. Best yeah. best backup quarterback in the NFL right now. He needs a starting gig. But if Sam Howell ain't ain't always cracked up to be, pfft, we're gonna get, find out. Get Brissett's in there. We're gonna find out. So Sam Howell, Nick, congratulations. <laughs> we're gonna deem you the winner be a of trivia here on this Tuesday episode of Sports Wrap. I'm gonna make this a consistent thing. We're gonna have three trivia questions every single Tuesday, and maybe we'll keep a score throughout. We'll see. We're gonna figure maybe. it out going forward. But this has been. The second Tuesday episode of Sports Trap, but before we go, let's have some shout-outs, starting with you, Lucas. All right. Uh, Shout-out to my grandma and family and friends listening. Shout-out. Shout-out to Ryan Hendricks and Hunter Boston. They are calling their first football game this weekend, and I'll be on sideline for that, but they've been doing a lot of work with me. They're very willing. You know, we were doing some spotter boards last week, interviewed some players this week. Love to see the passion. I think the sports department is in a great place. Shout-out to my family. I know my mom and dad are watching. I'm going to also shout-out Ryan Hendricks and Hunter Boston. And, of course, Luke is right here for calling, getting to call the Gardner-Webb game. And also give a shout-out, I know we alluded to it earlier, to the App State volleyball team for winning three games all in straight sets to open up the year. Yeah, they, and they swept. Yeah, and 9-0, baby. Yeah, so shout-out to all those people. 
Shout out friends and family listening. And I'm going to give a shout out to Will Greer. Uh, when the Cowboys traded for Trey Lance, they were saying, hey, Will Greer, you're probably going to get cut. We're going to give you the entire preseason game against the Raiders to play. He threw 29 for 35, 358 total yards, four total touchdowns, balled out. And it's leaning towards not happening, but Mike McCarthy said he's all for re-signing Will Greer. It'll be QB number four. It'll be interesting. Don't I'm going to give that man. I'm going to give my shout outs, friends and family, whoever's been listening, whether you're from Charlotte or Boone. I thank you so much for tuning in. Second episode that I've gotten aboard. Got a little bit more comfortable up here on the hot seat. Ryan Hendricks walking through the studio, giving it to us. My shout out is going to go to our sports department owned Bobby Phillips for completely dismantling Noah Cornelius and Lucas Warren in right, NBA 2K right, yesterday right, for right, our right. sports meeting. He beat me 21-19, and we shot a combined like 87%. He, hey, three. Actually, and he wants to conveniently say the game I won was a preseason game, but okay. Well, it's actually kind of interesting. I actually played Cody in 2K, and uh, there's a bit of a question on oh, yeah, the, sliders. the difficulty or the sliders. Wow, so right, because we, we didn't realize it was on rookie when we played, and then we saw yeah. afterward, it's like, oh, it's on rookie mode. But yeah. while we're bringing that up, Bobby and I are the one seats in any tourney because I will cook we're both you, undefeated. Cody. All right. See, I don't, I don't believe that. I'm looking forward to seeing it happen. Thanks again for tuning in. This has been your Tuesday episode of Sports Wrap. We'll now send you back to your regularly scheduled music.